Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with one rental at a time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag one rental at a time. Now on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, one rental at a time. And Dion will always be the first guest where we record a video in the new office. It is still very early, lots to be done. But Dion, thank you uh, for doing this this morning. Nice. I'm super happy to be here ready. Uh, ready for round one. Glad you reached out. And I look forward to coming and doing uh, one of these in the room with you. Sometime. Yeah, I hope to be in a situation probably in a month where it's like 90% done, which will inc include a room right over there, fully insulated, soundproof, set up for, for doing live interviews. So we'll see what happens. So should be fun. Episode number one, Dion, I want to talk about what new investors should do to learn their market, right? That's something we say a lot, do the work, yield, buy box, all of that. But I want to step back, not talk about the buy box and talk about some of the other subtle things that people should learn. Um, because again, I want to paint the vision for what, what, what everybody should be doing early in the process. Okay. I like it. In my live stream last night, the question came up of, you know, can you define a buy box? And that's only part of the equation. Kind of like when people look at properties, they think uh, the prices are, are, are really high or they're too high, not paying attention to interest rates and what's happening with rent. So there's a little bit more that goes into learning your market than understanding your buy box. Absolutely. So for me, my buy box, again, I've talked about a, a lot, you know, a certain zip code in Fresno, single family homes of a certain size. But again, I was investing in a market I knew nothing about. So I had a lot of other things to go tackle. So uh, where, where do you want to start this conversation? Because there are so many things we should highlight. So you talk often about doing the work every day and it's taking somewhere between 60 and 90 days to learn your market. I mm -hmm. think in that time, one of the things that we need to do as we narrow down our buy box is to learn the area average rents. And, yes. and so <clears throat> knowing what the rents can be, what the area average is, has helped me a lot because most times when I buy properties, my, my strategy is to buy rent ready or already occupied. I prefer to buy properties that already have somebody in it. Um, I don't live in a place that has rent control. So that might change the investing strategy if I was in an area that had that. But I know that rents will be within a couple of months, just below area average, within 50 to $100 of the area average. So if a person mm -hmm. is five to $700 below the area average, mm -hmm. I can buy that property with confidence knowing that with my binder strategy, or if the tent moves out and I can adjust rents and actually do a rehab, which I've still never had to do, mm -hmm. um, I'll get that rent up to the area average. But you can't, you can't run the numbers on properties unless you know what that average is. Yeah. And your binder strategy is amazing, but it does start again. I, I would think it would probably take somebody 60, maybe 75 days to learn the rent. And this is my test for folks when they tell me they think they know the rent is, is like, what, what is an extra bedroom cost or get you? What is an extra bathroom? What is parking, right? That was always the three for me. And here very recently, there's a fourth now is, is a fenced in and secure backyard, right? That, that is a new addition in the last year. That was really never a consideration for the first 18 years of my investing career. So th those are things that I look for. Well, there, there's, there's some common mistakes that investors make when I'm talking to people and trying to get them on the property ladder. 
they think in terms of square footage. <laughs> I hear this from new investors a lot. They think, oh, well, it's this many square feet and I'm going to pay this much per square foot. And I've never in 10 years ever had a tenant ask about square foot. And most of them wouldn't understand square footage if it came up. It's not a metric that they think in. They think in bedroom count. Yeah. Um, investors will think in terms of bonus room, family room, den, and no tenants that I've ever had and the housing authority that does section eight has ever cared or asked about that. Mm -hmm. Rents are set by bedroom count and they're impacted by bathroom count. To, to me, more, more than one bathroom helps uh, limit tenant turnover mm -hmm. and increases the pool of, of people trying to rent the place, but it doesn't add as much as a bedroom would. Correct. Yeah. I have just as much luck, rec, as, just as much luck renting out a three bedroom, one bath as a three bedroom, two bath, mm -hmm. as far as the amount of rent that I can get with, within a $50 range. Yeah. But you go to a four bedroom and now you're adding $500 a month easily yeah. to my market. No, I think that's very similar in most markets. That fourth bedroom is a big jump. Uh, they didn't make a lot. Again, are the affordable houses really, back in the 50s, they were really three bedrooms. And that's usually where these, these come out. And I think it blows people away when I tell them, they, I get this question a lot too, is like, Hey, I got a three bedroom, one bath house at 1600 square feet, but you know, this other guy's got a three bedroom, one bath at 900 square feet. W what do you think? I'm like, probably the 900, cause you're not going to get much more rent. The square foot doesn't matter. And oh, by the way, turnover in a 14 or 1500 square foot is more. Cause I have had turnovers in 20 years and it's a lot more paint. It's a lot more flooring. It's a lot more cleaning. Yeah. I mean, you know, you get a three bedroom, one bath home at 950 square feet. I'm happy. Yeah, and I think one of the traps is an investor looks, I, I look for a two bedroom, one bath or more, right? So mm -hmm. I, that's my minimum. I, I don't invest uh, in near colleges or retirement areas where one bedroom might be more viable. So I want at least two bedrooms with a garage and more space. Yep. But if, as, an as an investor, if I see a two bedroom that's 1200 square feet or more, I start thinking I have a third bedroom in there. I just haven't made it yet. Exactly. But renters don't think that way. So when you're setting the area average rents, um, a few years ago, I would go on Rentometer and I would call my housing authority because they took, they took a year's historical data and they said, this is what the area average is mm -hmm. in 2020 and 2021 rents kind of went hockey stick on us mm -hmm. and grew too fast, uh, to make a sports ball analogy. <laughs> <laughs> and I, that their historical data was too, uh, outdated and too slow. And Rentometer has adjusted from a 12 month period to a three month period, but even that is still struggling to keep up with what's been happening with rents. So what I've done in the last year and a half is I went to apartments.com, Craigslist, and Facebook Marketplace. Like I was trying to rent a place myself. Currently, today, what would I find? How long are things sitting on the market before they're gone? And that's where it takes that 60 to 90 days because if you see places that are really high in rent and you think, oh, the rent's really high, but that unit sits on there for two months, that's not what the area average rent is. Yeah. So it takes that time to figure out what the average is. And you can drop off the really low ones because they're, they're, it's possible that they require um, low income housing. So people might not hit that income requirement. So those are ones I don't use in my area average. And you can usually cut out, I, I go for class C areas. So I, I cut out the ones where you can obviously tell it's a McMansion in a gated mm -hmm. community. And yes, they're probably going to get $3,500 a month in my area. But my rentals, it, it takes me a good two months to constantly track what the current area average rent is. And that's something I think new investors really should focus on because it's part of the calculation for yield. Oh, it's, 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 it's the revenue side of, of the yield calculation. And I would tell you a lot of people do not, um, 
do not do the work around rent, even though it's probably the most important number, right? They get a number from Rentometer or Craigslist or one property manager. Folks, I keep telling you, you've got to network, you've got to build, you've got to validate, you've got to cross-reference information. So just because you got one number, you're not done. You may have enough to put in your spreadsheet, but keep after it, right? Because an extra $100 in rent will could take an average deal great. I mean, that's something you've done here recently, right? You bought a duplex and you know it was an okay deal, but you knew where rents could be and it became a great deal. Right. And, and I actually had investor friends who have several properties who told me, don't buy that duplex. They said, because they're still off the old mentality of what, what is it currently performing as? That's what you look at. And if you're in a rent control area, that might be a consideration. Mm -hmm. But in Washington state, where we don't currently have rent control, I was able to confidently look and go, even if I get half of what I'm pretty sure I'll get, mm -hmm. this becomes a good deal. And then I got what I expected and it's a great deal. There you go. Yeah. So let's talk about the other side of the equation that we've hit rent, but what are some of the expenses? Again, you're new, you're, you're excited, you're interested. What are some things uh, that new investors should poke at? Cause again, they got to learn the expense side as well. Right. So you have learning the area average and a lot of people make the mistake of going principal interest, taxes, and insurance is my expenses. <laughs> rent is my income forgetting. And I've, I did this in the beginning too, forgetting to set aside money for future expenses, you know, CapEx, maintenance, repairs, setting aside for vacancy. And some of those are dependent on the age of the building, the, the area that you're in. If I have a 1200 square foot unit in a class C area, and I have a tenant turnover, I'm probably going to spend two to $4,000. Mm -hmm. If I had a 1200 square foot class A property, that expense for the turnover is probably going to be more. The rent is more, Mm -hmm. but that expense is going to go up too. <clears throat> so age of building, class of property, vacancy rate in your area, especially if you're in a, a, a smaller town with less economic drivers, you can have one or two changes that can really impact your, your vacancy rate. And then the type of property too. I prefer to buy side-by-side -side small multifamily. So I don't have mm -hmm. tenants above or below yeah. another. So I have less noise complaints. A plumbing issue only impacts one tenant and they have their own yards. So tenant turnover is less. If I have, mm -hmm. I've, I've made offers on over under properties. I just mentally calculated a higher vacancy rate because I'm more likely to have tenant turnover. Mm -hmm. and, and so understanding the type of property, the area that you're in and kind of looking at age of, of property. I have a property that was built in 1929, mm -hmm. but it's my least problematic property. Because with, within about five years before I purchased it, everything was upgraded yeah. and redone. So it's got brand new the PEX plumbing and all new electric. And there was all, all, the, all the problems that can come up with an older building have been taken care of. Yeah. So even though it's an older building, that doesn't mean I just vastly increase my reserves for CapEx and maintenance. When was it updated? How, you know, how, how old is the roof when you buy it? Is it two years or is it 10 years? Because you know how long it's going to be to get that new roof in there. So setting aside money for future expenses is part of the equation in learning your market and understanding how that's impacted. And when you look at specific properties, things like, are you next to a noisy uh, factory or club or train track or airport? That doesn't mean that's, that's a, that's a no go. It means I'm going to have a higher turnover rate. I'm probably going to get less rents and factoring in those environmental factors along with the physical aspects of the property. So I really like how you say take, 60 to 90 days to learn your market because there's so many things to consider that you want to do this enough to where it kind of becomes second nature. In, in my area, when something pops up on one of my auto searches, I can look and in a few seconds, I, can, I know there's an area I avoid no matter what. If somebody said free property, 
Hmm. I'm not buying it in that area because I can't safely go there to collect the rent. Um, and I couldn't have even safe. I wouldn't feel comfortable sending a property manager there to collect the rent. Mm -hmm. um, but but I know other areas where I already know the area average rent. I know what the turnover rate in that area is going to be. I know how many economic drivers there are. So when I see a property pop up and I and I see it's even close to the price range that I would consider, I know to look to take a deeper look and within 20 minutes decide to make an offer or not. I couldn't do that if I spent two weeks learning my market. It, it's taken years to get to there, but it would definitely take 60 to 90 days to get comfortable enough to even know which deals were worth taking a look at. Um, and, and the other thing about learning your market, you're, you're taking your time to do that. A lot of people, there's a mistake that people think uh, when, when you watch a crime show, mm -hmm. a police officer, is, I used to be a police officer, and when you walk on to a crime scene, a cop can't go, I think this happened. Let me find the evidence to back up my theory. You have to look at all of the evidence and then make an opinion based on the evidence. And as new evidence shows up, you have to be able to shift your opinion. You mm -hmm. can't try to keep that. So a new investor will look at a market and think, I want small multifamily to work here. I want this yield on small multifamily. You have to study that market long enough to understand what strategy is working there and then adjust your opinion on what strategy you're going to use. It might be single family. And in, in, in Ohio right now, I've got friends that are investing there that are single families outperforming the small multifamily. In my area, in 10 years, I've never seen one single family house that would cash flow, let alone get a yield I would want. I still have auto searches set up because one day the unicorn might pop up mm -hmm. um, or maybe I'll do a burr. But I wanted single family. I had to shift to small multifamily because that's what works here. In some areas, there might not be a lot of small multifamily. So it might be a house with an ADU or a you know, granny flat, mother-in-law house, one of those you know, two houses, one property. It might be buying a split level house and separating the two living areas. It might be buying a place with a basement and building out an apartment. What strategy is working in that market takes time to figure out. And you can't force the strategy you want to work in a market unless it's magically the one that just happens to fit there. And it takes time to figure that out. Yeah, I think there's so many things that we teach and how to get started one rental at a time, yield, network, all of these things. But yeah, it's what what does work in your market, right? For me today, it's single family homes. 10 years ago, it was larger apartments. Before that, it was small multis. It's, you have to be able to adjust, right? So, and, and like you say, don't go in with your opinion set, like I'm only going to buy X. You're probably going to be disappointed, right? It, it's, uh, it's interesting stuff. So Dion, how can people find you and get part of your world? Right here on YouTube, Dion Talk Financial Freedom. And on Tuesdays, I do live streams. And if we ever meet in public, this is actually my day hat. And, and when you run into me, the howdy is a real thing. This is the hat I wear every day. I, I'm, I recently met with um, REI Stoners, a uh -huh. small YouTube channel that's just started up. Nice. And uh, I don't think they were expecting the hat when I showed up. <laughs> so I look forward to that, man. Thank you very much. Ciao. Mm -hmm.